Welcome to the Welfare Culture Podcast, where we talk about all things Indigenous wellness. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, wherever you are in the world. Uh, we're here in Arizona, and this is the Welfare Culture Podcast. My name is Chelsea Luger. I'm here with my co-host and my partner, Thosh Collins. And we are super excited to get into this episode today all about movement and an indigenized perspective on movement. Hello, relatives and friends. Thank you for tuning in once again to our podcast. As Chelsea said, we're really excited about this one. And we wanted to jump in and talk about movement right away because we've been kind of getting a lot of people to our personal social media accounts that have been asking questions about movement, such as uh, people who are not currently active and they're wondering, where should I start with my movement? What what do I, what do, I do? People, many people are confused as there's a lot of different information going on out there especially on social media uh, about how to train and about how to move your body but as chelsea has said what we would like to do is encourage all of all of our people all of our relatives here to look past the the physical component to it and first let's think about some other larger concepts and teachings that are associated with movement and how that can also impact our communities and our families as well. So movement is one of the seven circles of wellness. It's a huge topic in the holistic wellness journey, and that's widely recognized by all people, all wellness experts. But from an indigenous perspective, we definitely have uh, what I believe is a unique take on movement. We understand movement from an ancestral perspective as well as uh, from a spiritual, mental, physical, and emotional perspective. We all need movement as a part of our wellness. It's not just an option. It's not just an extracurricular activity. Movement is medicine. Literally, it's preventative medicine. Everybody needs to move. And so uh, we really want to answer that question that Thosh posed and that our listeners have been posing to us. Where do I begin? Well, this is where you start in shifting your thinking when it comes to movement. Shifting from that mainstream American mentality of, oh, movement is just for physical health and I want to shrink my waist and build my butt and uh, yep, that's about it. No, movement is so much more than that. Uh, so let's get into it on why it is such a complex topic. So again, it's it's always important to remember about our our oral tradition, what oral tradition teaches us about the lifestyle of our ancestors. And we say this all the time on this podcast, and you hear it a lot of places around Native country that our, our ancestors lived an inherently well lifestyle because of the, the culture at the time required our people to be active, required our people to be moving, and they were building stuff. They were out harvesting food on the land whether that was fishing, whether that was hunting, picking berries, digging roots, planting seeds, harvesting the, the, the corn or the bean or the squash and, or whatever type of foods on the land. They were always working and moving around. And our people had taken you know, several thousand steps um, per day. 
And today, as we know that we are in the sedentary lifestyle and dominant culture has built around us this sedentary lifestyle as a result of colonialism and our, our lives today is becoming increasingly inactive and we're sitting several hours a day. And even as recent as like the 60s, I would hear some people in my community, elders, talk about that the jobs that they worked in were more, more labor intensive, that not too many people had do uh, desk jobs where they sat and they were always moving and working. Then they say they would come home and they would work and more and they would clean their, their, their home where they had some of them were still growing food or taking care of animals and things like that. And so we've always had this very active lifestyle as indigenous people. And so it's always important to remember uh, that's where we come from. And growing up, I used to hear stories from the Southwest that our, a lot of our, our, our people would run from our regions in central Arizona. They'd run to the Baja of Mexico. They would run to the, the ocean there and they would do trading and all that. And, and so running for something like that was, was, was just a way of, of, of transportation. And this was for all native people, not just Southwest people. They were all very active. And we look at our games, indigenous games, everything from lacrosse to stickball, a double ball to sticks to toka, shongivard, the canoe races, uh, all these different types of games, indigenous games that our people had engaged in. Our people were athletes. That's what we come from. It's, it's our way of life. It's our original culture to be active and to move. And there was always various components associated with playing the games. They would play games for diplomacy to settle disputes. If the two tribes or two villages didn't want to go to war, they didn't want bloodshed. They would play this game, and that would whoever would win would be they would be the one that would be um, winning the basically the the affair, whatever it was they were playing for. When you also hear the stories that that a lot of these games were medicine for the people. They would play these games for the people to make the people feel good. If people were feeling down, it was medicine to see the athletes out there playing and and competing and and, and having fun. And, and so these this was there was a spiritual component to it, and there was always teachings, morals that were learnt while playing the game, and there was always a spiritual side to it. Yeah, that's right. So there's this long history of uh, athleticism and active lifestyles in indigenous communities. And those have uh, certainly gone to the wayside a bit in recent years with the epidemic of sedentary lifestyles. And of course, that's plaguing not only indigenous communities, but all people globally. And I'm sure many people have heard the expression that says sitting is the new smoking. And that's really true. And what that means is that the amount of damage that we are causing our bodies, the amount of harm that we are doing to our physical selves is equal to that if we were maybe smoking a pack of cigarettes today. So we really need to take our movement seriously again and get back into that space where we reestablish an active lifestyle. Uh, like Thosh always talks about, our people didn't have to set aside time for movement and fitness because it was built into the lifestyle. But today, that's something that we have to do. And we also want to talk about the importance of movement from, again, this holistic perspective, this spiritual and mental perspective. Pretty much every single indigenous ceremony you can think of involves some kind of movement or some kind of fast or a sacrifice, a physical sacrifice in that sense. And if you really get down 
to brass tacks and think about it. Why is that? It obviously was not performative. These are some really challenging, difficult uh, movements and dances that would be performed or that still are. Again, these ceremonies are ongoing for those of you who don't know, but for days and days at a time, uh, really, really physically strenuous stuff. It could have been a run. It could have been some kind of dance. Um, anyways, our ceremonies included some or include some kind of movement. And why is that? It's because our ancestors knew then, and it remains true now, that movement helps with spiritual focus and clarity. It helps with mental focus and clarity. If you're really wanting something to happen, if you're really praying hard for something, or you're really trying to focus and concentrate on something, movement will assist with that process. For our people, it was a connection to creator. And if you're a non-Indigenous person uh, living more of a Western lifestyle, that still applies to you. Because if you have a career where you want to focus hard on something or you need to concentrate really hard on something that day, you need to move because that physical movement will drive your mind into being able to think more clearly. So again, there's there's ancestral wisdom behind that and there's science that backs that up as well. And so that takes us into, again, talking about movement from a spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional perspective. And we we just talked a little bit about the history of that too. And Chelsea had mentioned that there was always movement involved with our ceremonies. And that was also because our people understood that ceremony moves energy around the body, but also moves spiritual energy for the people in certain directions. So our people were engaging in ceremony to somehow grow the future or change the outcome of our future. And then most of the time that had to do with our holistic health. But let's talk about like more mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional and you kind of mentioned that too, Chels, about, about how movement creates creates a focus and clarity. So I want to talk a little bit more about some of the, the mental benefits uh, of movement. And the other component to this is the science behind it. We have the ancestral knowledge and wisdom about movement. And we also have what science is also uncovering about movement. And again, we don't need science to validate the things that our ancestors were doing. However, what we like to think of it is, as many other indigenous people think of this, is that science is just now catching up with ancestral knowledge and wisdom. And remember, ancestral knowledge and wisdom has been in existence since creation, since we became human beings. But science is relatively new in, in terms of, of human evolution and the amount of time we've been here on Mother Earth. And so I myself, I love to delve into the science too. I like it. It's just another way of framing these kinds of things. And unfortunately, some people out there in the world need the science to kind of confirm that. Maybe they're not raised with an indigenous mindset to just listen to oral tradition and believe it. And some people need the science behind it. So I want to go in and kind of talk about the mental component a little bit more. And so a lot of the science is uncovering the neural protective benefits of, of movement. And they have found out that physical exercise affects, affects brain plasticity, our, our brain's ability to grow and to change different regions, literally. So they found out that um, it improves cog cognitive abilities, such as learning and memory and other executive processes that happen in the frontal lobe and has also in shown an increase in the hippocampus region. That's where the memory is stored. And 
And this is all too, if, if you are constantly learning new movements, if your body is, is, is learning new movement patterns, if you're challenging yourself, your brain is constantly growing. And this is really important. They say that as you go in and you age into your life, this is, this is protects against neurodegeneration, against neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, dementia, and things like that, that are becoming prominent in, in some of our native communities. But again, these are, these are not diseases that our ancestors had in the past. These are the diseases of modernity. So movement is really important for all that, for mental focus, for clarity. We talked about that for, for improving of your memory. And how does this pertain to us as indigenous people? This is uh, something that we all know that across native country, language preservation is something that it, everyone is working towards, right? Or should be working towards. And not just language preservation, but the the passing along, the transference of our creation stories, because our creation stories are our true history. The transference of our ceremonies, the protocols associated with them, the ceremonies, and the numerous songs. Like, I don't know about you guys, but where we come from, they, they can sing hundreds of songs uh, in one night. And I love that when I travel different parts of native country. So that kind of shows that we really need this cognitive performance, increased cognitive performance to continue to evolve our cultures in, in, a, in, a, in a good way. This is important for elders too, no matter how old you are. And that's what brain plasticity tells us that, that elders into old age, their brain continues to change and grow as well. And so you're never too old to start moving. You're never too old to start learning a new language. Um, all these things that are great for, for brain plasticity. But movement is a great one for that. Yeah, when I was growing up, I had no idea about all this science behind movement. And I think a lot of people um, uh, didn't understand this stuff as recently as like me, if you were a kid in the 90s. It's not something people talked about. In fact, uh, something I did used to hear all the time growing up is this idea of the dumb jock. And I think that's really funny because it just goes to show how Western uh, thinking tends to really separate and categorize all of these uh, areas of our holistic health and wellness into different sections. And uh, we think... Why Why in the world would we think of athletes as being um, dumber or less intelligent than other people? There's just absolutely no basis behind that. Um, what we do know is that everything is interconnected and uh, movement improves cognitive performance in every way, shape and form. And so, um, so I wish I had known that. Growing up, I was very, very um, involved in school and sports. Actually, I was involved in school and dance and sports. And, uh, you know, I did well in college and and all that stuff. But I did not know the degree to which exercise, fitness and movement could impact my academic by performance by uh, helping me with clarity of thought, by giving me more energy to be up and study and, um, you know, in another episode, we'll go on and we'll talk about how sleep impacts all of that stuff, too. And we need sleep to recover from our, our, our muscle building um, activities and to uh, give us, our brains that time to, to synthesize all of the information that we had learned that day. But in any case, movement is uh, beneficial in every way, shape and form to, to memory, academic performance, uh, and like I said, uh, career as well is something to think about. So it's really important to think about what Thosh mentioned regarding those uh, 
diseases of modernity. I think so many of us have been impacted by relatives who have had Alzheimer's or uh, Parkinson's disease or these other neurodegenerative disorders. There is emerging science to show that that movement could prevent some of these really serious illnesses that are taking our relatives away. And so start thinking about that now as you're raising your children, as you're going about your life. Movement is critical. It's not just for fun. Yeah. And, it's, and speaking of children, too, that's also what emerging science is showing is that it improves the co cognitive abilities of children at a young age who are encouraged to move where movement, physical activity, whether that be conventional sports or playing and exerting themselves is is seen as very beneficial for their learning and development. And, you know, this is kind of um, contrary to what we heard growing up, right? Where we were always told to sit still. And we were told we were we were set in these these desks and chairs and you know made to try to study information. But now they're finding that when children are moving, they're learning the 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 information much much more faster and absorbing that information. And we kind of discovered this too by by doing movement in indigenous languages with children. So we'll Chels will teach you know the the movement for like an eagle, and then they'll learn the the language the the, the name for that in whatever language it was, Megazi or Ba, Guambli, you know, and they're, so they're completing the movement and then they're learning, they're just absorbing that information more. Yeah. So try it yourself, literally like flap your wings, do a stretch with a flapping wing motion as you are repeating the word for eagle in your indigenous language, Megazi, 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 flapping your wings. That word, if you hadn't known it already, will stay ingrained in your mind so much more effectively and quickly than if you try to learn the word without moving along with it. So yes, use movement teachings if you are an indigenous language instructor or even if you're another kind of teacher, it really helps. We also see it too when we go and we do day long trainings and workshops and we see people starting to fade. We say, let's get up, let's take a movement break. Yep. Let's take a wellness break. Let's get up, let's move. And we show very simple, easy movement and you just see everybody come alive. And then when everybody sits down, they're they're open they're, again, their mind is open and they're they're receiving that information because they've had this this little bit of medicine, you know, that that's already existing inside of our body. So with all that being said, we've talked about the mental and the spiritual, but there is, uh, of course, a physical component. And uh, this is the, the area that people probably know the most about already. But it's important for us to talk about that as well uh, from an indigenous perspective. And the way that I think about it is that the stronger I am for myself, the stronger we are individually, the better able we are to contribute to the world around us. And as we know, uh, contributing to the world around us is a big indigenous value. We're not just uh, single individuals. We are part of these larger networks and communities and families who we love and we care about and we want to help and assist and, and all move forward together in a strong way for a strong future. That's an indigenous value. And so we need to focus on our physical health so that we can be there for other people and so we can be there for ourselves. In my life, uh, I learned a big lesson in movement after having my daughter. I never realized uh, how strong physically I would have to be uh, to take care of, of uh, my little girl uh, who is exceptionally heavy for an infant. Mm -hmm. And I always am so grateful that I spent so many years doing weight training and literally getting to be physically strong before I had her in my life. And I really believe, you know, that she chose Thash and I as her parents. She's like, oh, 
little spirit aloe. She's like, oh, hey, there's those <laughs> two strong people working out in the gym all day. I'm going to choose them because I'm going to be a heavy little thing to carry around. And so uh, I'm just so grateful for that. So again, you maybe in your wherever you are in your life right now, you might not have a person that that needs you. You might not have uh, something that seems like you have to be physically strong for, but you don't know what life is going to bring you. You don't know the challenges that are ahead. So it's really important to be physically strong and to just prepare yourself for this crazy world that we live in. Yeah, the physical component, like Chell said, it's what people are most familiar with. And when I first started bridging physical health to, to our cultural preservation heritage, I noticed it because when I was in the community and we were preparing things for a ceremony, it took a lot of physical work, a lot of physical manual labor to go out and, you know, collect wood and collect the materials and be in the hot sun all day and, and to actually build things. And uh, over time, we just started seeing less and less people show up and they were people that were, uh, their health was starting to deteriorate from other, other factors. So it restricted them from going out. So that was and I shared this a little bit of my personal story before in the previous episodes. And so for me, that was some of the things that had kind of helped me make the connection that we need to also be in good physical health to be able to do these things. Because if we're not in great physical health, if we're not strong, if we don't have the energy to do these things, then they won't get done. And then we're going to see a decline in our, our ceremonial way of life that will later on impact our people spiritually, emotionally as well. And so... Functional training. Um, we we also like to to utilize that word movement because it encompasses all forms, all modalities of movement. Anything that's exerting the body that gets the heart rate up, that causes us to release the feel-good neurotransmitters is movement. And so that could be anything from taking a swift walk, biking, yoga, functional training, combat sports, dancing, playing conventional sports, canoeing, even horse riding, hiking, all these kinds of things. Running, of course, um, was our movement. And so it's all about finding which physical movement that you are going to most do people ask what's the best way to work out they say what's the best way to 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 exercise and lose weight and to get stronger and we always say like everyone else says the best workout and movement is going to be the one that you enjoy it's going to be the one that you're going to continue to do and so functional training is it's a, it's a good one also to approach because functional training is about training movement patterns the body is made up of these movement patterns that all work together and synchronization to allow the body to perform and carry out various activities. And we always keep it simple and we break it down and we show the seven basic movement patterns that has already been framed by functional training, which is pushing, pulling, squatting, lunging, bending at the hips, rotating the body and a gait, which is a sprint or walk or a run. And so functional training is about training those movement patterns. And this strengthens our functions for everyday life. And like Chelsea said, everyday life for her and her instances, our instances is to, to carry our daughter is one, is, is, as well as many other things. Training our movement patterns just makes our body operate much better. We just move better when you get up out of bed, right? When you get out of the chair or when you're moving groceries, you're just doing everyday activities like that. Your body just works much better and you're teaching the body, you're strengthening it to work as a single unit as opposed to the conventional bodybuilding 
um, where you isolating just certain muscle groups, which personally I do to a certain extent, but I still keep it functional. But I say that because many people will think that, uh, func- think that movement is getting in and laying on your back and bench pressing. That's only a very, very small component of functional training. And so there's a lot of tools that we like to utilize for functional training. Some of our favorite pieces of equipment is the kettlebell, steel mace, using resistance band, battle ropes, a few dumbbells, um, our yoga mats, our stretch mats. These are things that we have in our home too when we don't have time to go over to the family wellness center or the gym. We have these things around the house as well as uh, body weight training. And so we'll talk about that in a future episode about the some of the more diverse pieces of equipment to use when you're training i think it's important to remind everybody that physical fitness and good physical health should not end after high school it should not end after your basketball career is over (laughs) and unfortunately so so many people have that mentality because what do we see around us as soon as high school ends uh you know, you pick up the bag of chips and lay down on the couch and and that's it for you. You know, you, you feel like because there's not this very immediate um, objective of, of playing sports for a team, that there's no purpose in moving anymore. But we got to get out of that mentality yeah. because, again, we need physical fitness and wellness. And there's absolutely no reason why can't we can't be strong and active and healthy up to age 110. And the best proof of that is our ancestors. Again, not our ancestors from 20 million years ago, like people sometimes talk about. We're talking about our ancestors from like the 1950s. Like this is really recent that our people have still been in really good physical health. If you're ever in Rapid City, go to the airport. There's this really cool picture, this photograph, I think on the second floor of all of these uh, Lakota chiefs sitting cross-legged on the floor next to each other. There's about eight of them in a row. Uh, or you can Google it. Maybe you'll find it there too. Um, these are these are elderly men, probably probably some of them as old as a hundred, and this is obviously as recent as the time of photography. So I mean, they're sitting cross-legged, and uh, th- just think about the functionality that that requires to sit up and down, uh, getting from the the floor, standing upright. Uh, there are many elderly people from what. Uh, that have been living in the westernized culture and lifestyle that are totally unable to do that. And so even as young as 50. Yeah. Oh man, for sure. We see, we see super young people or even teenagers struggling to get up off the floor. And, uh, it's not to shame those people. See, these are systemic issues. Mm Um, but, but, but my point is, uh, whether, no matter how old you are, no matter what shape you're in, in this very moment, know that you can be as physically strong, healthy, and active as what we think of, what we associate with teenagers. But we got to step outside that box. Yeah. And you bring up a good point too. And that brings us into the next section about aging in a good way. So if we were adopting good, healthy lifestyles that are very active at an early age, it's going to be easier for us to continue these lifestyles into older age. We have to make it our norm again. It's got to be our culture today to consciously move our body to protect us from all the diseases of modernity that we are 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 at risk of because of the current culture and lifestyle today. So 
training physical movement and training movement patterns for for seniors and for elders is also very important because this strengthens their body and it prevents and prevents them from things like falling and for an elder that's really scary for them to fall for those of you that have had parents or grandparents that have fallen they can break their hip they can break their bones and of course they can hit their head and this could impact their health and so it's really important that that we encourage the our elders and everybody to continue to be active and to move, to get out and to take a walk and to try a little bit of resistance training. Resistance training is good because it increases bone density. It increases our, our, our ratio of lean muscle mass to, to, to fat mass. And that has been associated with lower rates of mortality. Another important factor in this physical movement component is that it helps to regulate our blood sugar. And so for those of you that are borderline diabetic or have type 2 diabetes, we know that something as simple as taking a swift walk about 15 to 20 minutes after we've eaten helps to reduce our blood sugar circulating. And we know that this is very important for for a lot of our people as we know that diabetes is prominent, not just amongst our people, but a lot of people. And some of the newer science is showing that movement also creates positive DNA expression. And so again, these are all the protective factors from the diseases of modernity, from diabetes, from cancer, neurodegenerative diseases, obesity, cardiovascular disease, heart disease. And that's why we say movement is medicine. So there's this big emotional component of fitness and movement as well that I didn't realize growing up, nobody ever really talked about. Uh, but I really understand that well now. And I just want uh, the listeners out there to empower yourself with movement. Um, that was a big one for me a few years ago when I realized how movement impacts my emotions. So there's science behind this, um, but it's also something that you can just very clearly self-observe and feel. Every time you move, your body releases uh, what's known as feel-good neurotransmitters. And so you're releasing endorphins, you're releasing literally those same chemicals that are released when you do drugs. And that's why people get addicted to drugs. But guess what? We can, we can get that moving in a healthy way. Um, and this can prevent things like drug abuse and depression and the other uh, negative lifestyle factors that lead into uh, those, those really harmful um, diseases and habits that our people are suffering from. So movement impacts emotions. And again, you've probably heard phrases like a runner's high, which is what they talk about when people go for a long run and suddenly they get in this zone and they just feel this elation as they're moving and it helps them uh, to sort of uh, push beyond the, the physical stress that they're feeling and they can just keep going and going. So there's that, um, but you also feel that release of good emotion uh, no matter what kind of training that you're doing. So not only does movement, generally speaking, impact your, your emotions and release those feel-good neurotransmitters, but what I've noticed even more specifically is that different types of movement actually uh, help you with emotional release in different ways. For example, like hitting a heavy bag if you're doing some sort of boxing training is a really good way to relieve stress or to get out your anger in a healthy way rather than uh, having a temper tantrum or uh, getting mad at somebody in your family or your husband or wife or whoever you're in a relationship with. Maybe you go and hit the heavy bag and get your emotional release out that way. Or if you need to calm down and relax, 
Maybe you want to go do a yoga practice and you'll find that a meditative flow will really bring you into this state of mind that is just clear and uh, safe and comfortable. Uh, maybe you do want to achieve that runner's high and you go run outside for miles and miles and miles. And then that's a whole nother thing. So again, uh, movement is our emotional medicine as well as it is physical. And uh, it, it, it does wonders to prevent and relieve anxiety, depression, and these other really serious ailments that impact our lives on a daily basis. Yeah, the emotional component of movement is one of my favorite aspects of moving. And I always feel that if I don't move, if I'm if we're traveling a lot or if I'm at home working and sitting a lot, I I get more irritability faster. And I'm, I'm I've always been an active person since I was a kid. So I, I always got to be moving and I take breaks when I'm at home working, but I got to get out and I got to exert myself. I have to sweat. I have to really challenge myself because that's when I get that release. And as we had already said, that physical activity, it stimulates the release of all of our feel, feel good neurotransmitters, such as dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin. And these are all brain chemicals that play critical and important role in regulating our mood and helping to relieve stress. And, and so this is one of the main components that I personally like to move for. And I encourage everyone to explore this and to learn about this component of movement too because it's very beneficial for our, our total well-being. It's also empowering. Movement is empowering. And it, it gives us this feeling of, of control and a competency, which increases our self-efficacy. It empowers us. And I feel this when I do strength exercise, like big strength movements, like when I'm squatting heavy or I'm deadlifting heavy um, or I'm overhead pressing two heavy kettlebells or barbell dumbbell i just feel when i get done with that i feel like i have completed something like i have accomplished and it's empowering it makes me feel strong and these feelings carry over to different components aspects of our life in our personal life our academic career our career our social network whatever it is these aspects empower us in those ways so that's why i love the the emotional component of training i also feel different things when i do stuff like several kettlebell swings and then i sprint or when i'm doing some battle rope you know, 20 seconds here and then switch 20 seconds to another, uh, another interval and another 20 seconds. And then I got to go and do a bear crawl or I do a, a, a push. Um, or if I'm working on the heavy bag, like if I'm doing several rounds of kickboxing and there's just a different kind of release that comes from these more metabolic training that requires to use a lot of power that requires to use endurance, um, different energy systems, which is different than strength. But I get a, even another kind of release from those too. It's like I just feel like this like drop of energy and, and stress just off of my body that I feel like it came out with my sweat. And you know, the other thing that, that I can kind of um, say that this is similar feeling to for those of you that have um, that, those of you that come from communities who sweat, well, we come out of a sweat ceremony and you just that feeling of a release, an amazing feeling that you that you get that is also that that good emotional release that spiritual release that we are getting there that movement does that as well and again it's about putting our body and exerting our body to some degree in a healthy way that's going to cause us to release the body releases all these different kind of chemicals when you do that and 
as we know, it's it's easier to just lay around and be comfortable, right? It's easier to lay in a cool air conditioned room or to lay in a nice heated room, cuddled up and not moving. The body doesn't want to move from an evolutionary perspective, but when we when we when we consciously move and exert, we really stimulate that emotional component, and there's a huge release. Yeah, that empowerment component is really big for me. If you've never seen me, I'm a pretty small. Uh, person. <laughs> I stand about 5'2 on a good day. A whopping 5'2. <laughs> and I weigh about 110 pounds. Uh, but you know what? I feel strong. And I know that um, I can protect myself physically as, uh, again, as a woman in this crazy world, we gotta, we gotta be able to feel strong. We have to be able to look out for ourselves and look out for our babies and it's not just uh, the men as the protectors anymore. Um, so it feels good to feel strong. A few years ago, I was uh, chit-chatting with my little niece, Elia. She's just adorable. She's seven now. Uh, but she was, uh, I think, about four years old at the time, four or five. And, and I was telling her about um, physical movement and exercise and um, that if she moves and if she, you know, continues all her sports and stuff, I said, then you can build muscle like your papa. You can be strong like your dad. And she goes, um, and she looked at me and she goes, well, I want to have muscles like auntie Chelsea. <laughs> and I just, it was such a cool moment for me because I didn't even see myself as possibly being, you know, as strong physically as you know the the male figure in her life so I was didn't realize how much I was still uh within the confines of that uh patriarchal stereotype that men are the only strong ones mm. but my little niece there showed me that hey our little girls are looking up to us women as being the strong the physically yeah. strong figures too so again movement is so empowering and and I just love that I love that story too. I forgot about that one. But that right there is reflective of the shift that we are creating on the young generation that movement and 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 physical movement and strength and power that the young people are seeing that as something to acquire. Mm -hmm. And again, if we want our people to be in great health, all of us, we have to model that. We can't just be standing in front of a classroom or you know, or standing in front of a room full of kids and telling that they need to exercise. We need to demonstrate that and move and do it. And that's how they learn. They learn by following us. And so I, I love that story. And sometimes too, walking around the community, like when we go to the Way of Life Center, which is our tribal wellness center in Salt River, um, you know, people will tell me, they'll say, oh yeah, our kids see you guys over there and they say they want to grow up and be and be muscular and strong and fit <laughs> like you guys. And, oh, and when I hear that, that's really um, empowering to me. That's really inspiring to me. Um, and so uh, it, it's, it shows the impact that all of us are making on the young generation. We should continue that. So we already talked about the social component of, of fitness and wellness and being inclusive there with, uh, with all different ages and athletic abilities of your community members. Um, but also remember to be inclusive and um, incorporate movement into your day-to-day -day activity in the home. And a few ways that we do that is uh, we go and work out together as a family at least once a day. Uh, we go on a walk somewhere together when it's really hot out like it is now, or maybe it's really 
cold in the winters where you're from, we go and we utilize our, our tribal wellness center. Maybe there's a gym in your community or even work out in the home together. We do a yoga practice in the living room. Uh, but yes, our, our daughter is one and a half years old and the, the wellness center is like her second home. She's in there every day and the staff, shout out to the the way of life facility on the Salt River Reservation. They're so friendly and welcoming to us as a family and they love to see little aloe. And she'll come in there in the studio with us and she really follows and copies us. She does a downward dog when we're doing our yoga. She um, she knows how to do uh, active breathing, breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth. She does that. Um, I mean, this this little girl is really watching us and I just feel so happy that she's growing up with that as her norm. I mean, how powerful is that? And so we encourage uh, families everywhere to to remember that no matter how young or how old, you can incorporate and make that your norm again. And so just a little bit more about the spiritual component to movement. We talked a little bit about that when we were talking about the history of our ancestors and how they understood how spiritual energy moves. And we hear this a lot today, too, that movement, different kinds of movement can help to release stagnant energy that gets blocked up different parts of our body. And again, this isn't something that science is yet advanced enough to be able to describe and measure. But we understood, understand this as Native people. The, uh, the, 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 the traditional healers uh, in my communities talk about this in a different context, though. Um, so where you again, we're using the colonizers language here. So it may sound funny to certain people, but moving our body does that helps to free up these areas. And it is also said by a lot of our traditional healers that trauma doesn't just happen in the brain, in, in the nerve cells, in the, the executive functioning area or hippocampus uh, where our memories are stored. Trauma can happen in our organs. All of our organs have a spirit too. They have spirit. They, they also have nerve cells right there where they remember things. And our joints, our muscles, all of this, we're made up of, of, of spiritual matter. We're made up of energy. And it's, it's, it, it flows all through in and out of our bodies. So when we experience trauma, whether it was an emotional trauma that we seen through our eyes or we heard something or something directly um, impacted us, it can get stuck in different areas of, say, such as our joints. So we also hear about physical trauma where, you know, uh, say from an accident of some sort, you know, that that kind of trauma, like a falling or a car accident, injury, uh, uh, actual injury to the limbs, to the joints, that can also create um, a spiritual kind of trauma and that that we can we can we can release a lot of these areas. There's a number of ways that that we release different spiritual energy in our bodies, but movement is one of them that helps to do that, especially when we're breath, when we're using our sacred air, the one is just one of our main gifts, we're breathing, we're also pushing those energy around and moving our bodies. So this is can be done through many different modalities of movement. You hear the most common one is yoga, but there's a lot of other different types of, of movement patterns that can be done that help to assist us in this way. And these are ones that I do a lot myself. <clears throat> That's right. So to move is to heal. Remember that when you move your body, you're healing your body, not just physically, but in all of these different ways. And we know that our people have experienced trauma throughout history. There's this long uh, history of that that we continue to suffer from today. But moving is one way of emerging from those states and recovering from some of the stuff that we experience in this lifetime or that our ancestors have experienced. And so, um, 
So moving is is really important and we encourage everybody to continue to move. One of the things that you'll notice is that we use this term movement more so than when we say uh, just fitness alone because moving is so much more than just uh, fitness. Fitness is a small part of movement. So like your standard gym exercises or sports or that kind of thing. But uh, moving is also maybe a deep breathing practice. It's also just how you go about your day-to-day life, walking around, sitting, standing. Um, It's child rearing, it's cleaning your home. Moving is all of these different um, larger encompassing components as opposed to just uh, a fitness routine where you're going to the gym for an hour. So that's why we often use that term movement. And so now that you understand a little bit more of the holistic component to movement in general, when you want to start your actual practical physical movement, I I suggest starting with your body. Learn to lunge with just your body weight. Learn to squat. Learn to stabilize your core. Learn good running, sprinting technique. Learn how to push your body weight and pull your body weight from different angles It's really important to be functional with just your body weight first before we start to incorporate resistance training. And so you also have to do a little of exploring. You need to find out and and try the different types of modalities of movement and find out which one, what do you enjoy? What makes you feel, what makes you feel well? And so it's, it's important that we do that kind of research on our own. And of course, how we feel our body, what we feed our body is really important to our movement too. If we're just continuing to eat processed foods, unhealthy foods, that's going to impact our performance because we know that food, and we'll talk about this in later episodes, food impacts our mind and its ability to move it. Of course, it impacts our movement patterns as well, and it impacts our energy, our power output, all that kind of stuff. So it's always important that you are eating real food. And maybe that could be the first thing is eating real food, fueling the body first for a period of time, then learning your body's movement patterns. And I say all that too, because a lot of people sometimes, like I said earlier, will write us on our personal social media. People will reply to my Insta stories and they ask questions. And a lot of the stuff that I share on my social media are more advanced. It's more advanced stuff. And I'm just sharing just to inspire. I'm not sharing that I'm directly telling people that you need to do this because some people will reply and they'll say if i try that i'll fall on my knee or if i do that (laughs) my knees will break sure i can't do that (laughs) sure and i'm like well i'm not telling you to do this i'm just showing what i do these are the things that 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 challenge me and that make me feel good and i'm just sharing to inspire you know i'm not sharing to directly tell people that you need to be doing some crazy superman push-up or doing a a pistol squat with a hundred pound kettlebell Um, I'm just sharing that's where I'm at in my journey. We're all at different places in our journey and you have to discover what makes you happy and what's going to be the most beneficial for your body as well. Yeah. A lot of times people message me and they say, can you prescribe me a workout plan? And and no, I, I can't because I'm not qualified to do that. And I just encourage all people to figure out, like Dash said, what kind of movement you like. Don't look around at what the person next to you is doing. Like really figure it out for yourself and try different things. Just like you have to try different types of foods to figure out what is the best way of eating for you. You got to try different modalities of movement and uh, incorporate like a cool mix of them that you really like in your day to day and just figure out what's going to work for your holistic training. 
and there's no excuses anymore really when it comes to access because you're listen you're all on this this uh podcast probably on your smartphones or on your computers so that means you have access to youtube and the internet and you can google and find videos and all kinds of instructional stuff about different ways to move and that's how actually to this day i still learn a lot of my movement is by watching videos online so I encourage you to explore that. You can do that from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to worry about anybody teasing you or poking fun at you. Uh, and empower yourself with that tool. Figure out what kind of movement you love and what's best for you. And so this was a fun episode for us to get into. As I mentioned already, my, I myself, I'm very active. I move every day and movement is a part of my culture. I created my own culture. I've created my own circle. Movement is part of that. It's, it's what I've created. I move every day. And if I don't, I feel energy pent up. I feel stress. And so if I move, I feel good. I feel empowered. I feel happy. And I'm ready to take on the rest of the obstacles in the day. And I'm moving in the long term. I'm moving to be in good health and to see my family and myself and old age and to see what I've helped create. I'm, so movement, I'm thinking about it in the long run. It's also to assist to make movement the norm once again for the younger generations. And so whatever you're doing out there, we hope that you are continuing to move with intention, move with purpose, move with thinking about the future. And remember that movement is our medicine. We can't express that enough. We need to heal physically mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. We need to continue to build strength in all of these areas so that we can serve our communities, so that we can raise our families, and so that we can feel good about ourselves. So this is why we should move back to that original question, where do I begin with my movement or fitness practice? You begin by reshifting your thinking into understanding this holistic idea about movement into moving and shifting your movement practice beyond the self and into your communities, your families, and your future generations. It's also a way of honoring your past and the hard work and the effort that your ancestors put into surviving and thriving and getting you into this world today. So movement is our medicine and we encourage all of you to utilize it. <laughs>